You are Locked On Syracuse, your daily podcast on the Syracuse Orange, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Welcome on in a fresh week here for you on the Locked On Syracuse podcast, Tyler Rocky and Tim Leonard. Today's episode brought to you by Built Bar. Go to BuiltBar.com, use the promo code Locked On, and you will get 20% off your next order. Tim, we're breaking down a 1-7 Syracuse football team. They <laughs> lose to Boston College 16-13. to But they put up some BC fight. BC comes time. in. They put up some That's fight. one of the closer games we've seen against BC inside the Dome in recent memory. I'll, I'll give them that. Um, but obviously, the big question is the quarterback. We'll, of course, get into what Jacoby and Morgan played out for us on Saturday. And then also some of the ancillary parts of the game that ultimately decided this three-point outcome. But first, be sure... To follow us on Twitter, at LO underscore Syracuse, you'll get all the latest SU news and buzz from us there. And then also, if you're new to the show, or if you're not subscribed yet, what are you waiting for? Subscribe to the show, and if you've got some orange friends in your life as well, tell them, and we'd love to have them as well here, and joining us and listening to us here on the Locked on Syracuse podcast. All right, Tim. Of course, we start with quarterback, because that is the burning question around this team. We were wondering, what are we going to get out of Jacoby and Morgan. And I guess we have to kind of start with a timeline because it, throughout the week, and again, we were pretty basketball heavy last week, but throughout the week, it seemed like, okay, there was a growing source of maybe Jacoby and is going to start this game. You're hearing the the talks of, well, there's actually three quarterbacks getting reps in practice. And then it turns out Rex wasn't healthy enough to go. So you throw out Jacoby and Morgan into the fire. He gets his first collegiate start. I think he performed admirably. He performed about as well as I expected him to perform in his first college start against a pretty good BC team, might I add. A team that's 5-3, and 4-3 three, and three in the conference. And, you, I mean, that's best-case scenario. I mean, you were a two-touchdown underdog, and you played to three points. So in a season that has been largely marred by moral victories, I guess you can chalk this up to another one of those moral victories, but the quarterback play obviously needs to improve. Yeah, I mean, again, it was some flashes and then some freshman mistakes. So as you said, what you would expect, the only thing that I'm kind of bummed about is that Dino didn't have to make a call this week. I really was curious to see which way he would go if Rex Culpepper was healthy. And obviously we, we were clamoring for Morgan to start if Rex was healthy. And I think if you were on the side of Rex, which honestly, I, I don't know anyone who, who really was like, yeah, let's run back out Rex at this point. But maybe there were a couple it's of very, out there. It's a tough hill to be dying on yes. these days. <laughs> yeah, I actually, I went and looked at the pro football focus numbers and what the grade was for Morgan. So he graded at a 77 for this matchup. To put that in perspective, pretty solid. Actually, that's like a top 30 mark in the country right now. Now, obviously, he doesn't register because he has not played the minimum number of snaps. But a 77 is a solid grade. Think of it on a a scale like it, you know, when you were back in school and and getting test grades, but even a little bit lower because it's, it's hard in college football to grade much higher than 80, 85 on pro football focus. So he's a 77 after this game. To give you the full context, DeVito is at a 74.3 on the season. That's probably where Well, I was going to say, DeVito, I mean, the PFF numbers always show a lot of love to the Syracuse quarterbacks, and and maybe just the the quarterback position in general. But 
I was always surprised because you'd see DeVito pretty high up there because I think his numbers did kind of dip towards the end of his run with Syracuse this season before he got injured. Mm-hmm. But he always had a solid number up there on the PFF scale. Well, Rex Culpepper does not fall into that prophecy because I looked at his uh, pro football focus That shows that grade. the computers actually work, though. To a degree. To yes. a degree. The eye test a little bit. So again, Morgan was a 77 in this game. Rex Culpepper's grade right now, larger sample size, which maybe goes against him a little bit, but still, 32.5 is Rex Culpepper's <sighs> grade. So You're not bringing that report card home to mom yeah, and dad. If you don't believe us, if you don't believe the eye test, I mean, th- there's the numbers for you that Rex Culpepper, we know his his floor is way, way lower than Jacoby and Morgan. That was my main takeaway is Morgan gives you some pop. He gives you a little bit more just arm talent on some of those slant routes. How about routes confidence? And, yeah, confidence, like, mobility. That's what it was for me. Right. I, I just saw a guy for the first time in a handful of weeks that was an actual quarterback behind the offensive line. Yeah, and he was pretty rough in the fourth quarter in stretches. I mean, that pick to Taj Harris and triple coverage, it was kind of a third and 16. It's a sort of desperation situation. And yeah, then maybe you're playing for a penalty there. Yeah, I mean, I'll give him some breaks. I, I'm I'm being critical because it, it's at a point. I'm happy that I can be critical. I'm happy that he played a full game and we got to see what he's about. I kind of want to see some Dylan Markowitz selfishly because I just feel like at this point in the season, let's let's see the whole cupboard sort of, so to speak. But I trust that, you know, Dino believes that Morgan's ahead of the curve. I don't know why it took this long, though, after seeing what Morgan brought he kept you in this football game. He, he wasn't spectacular, but maybe if this was a second or third start, then he would have won the game for Syracuse. And I think that's a great point you bring up there because is this playbook slimmer now with Jacoby and Morgan at quarterback? Absolutely it is. And guess what? That's just kind of the nature of the beast right now because, well, you waited this long. And I think that's a huge problem here. And if Dino is going to be honest and say that every single time we take a field, we are going out there to win the football game. Well, this was a move that, based on what we saw on the greenest quarterback you've thrown out there so far this year, a true freshman in every sense of the word, you're throwing him out there, and this is the performance he's giving you, that's good enough. I, I, I really think that was good enough. You maybe could have won a couple other games this year with a guy like Jacoby and Morgan at quarterback. And if he had been given the the proper opportunity to be ready for a game like this against Boston College. Because we have to reiterate this. BC is no slouch, okay? BC is, is, I'm not going to say one of the better teams, one of the best teams in the ACC, but they are a solid football team. They play fundamentally sound. They're well coached from what we've seen so far. And they've had a pretty solid offense this entire season as well. Yeah, I mean, they almost beat Clemson last week. That that doesn't yeah. happen a whole lot in, in Death Valley, no less. And I think it's going to be interesting to watch them play Notre Dame and the following week, this week coming up for sure, because I like what Jeff Hapley is doing there. It's a different BC type of team as we illustrate in the preview. But you're right that this was a good showing from Syracuse. They covered. I mean, I know a lot of people will be pleased about that. But more than anything, by the way, I, I do want to put this out there. And I know I'm going to get the L for this in my prop swap pick or my prop shop pick. But when I saw the quarterback change when i saw jacoby and morgan was going to be the starting quarterback for the syracuse orange i i changed my pick and i i put my okay. money where my mouth is i will i'll show you receipts on my DraftKings app whatever you guys <laughs> want out there 
but I did lay a little coin on the Syracuse Orange to cover in this game. Yeah, the prop shop might have uh, some correcting to do this week because a lot of our prop shop picks were the over-under on Morgan snaps, and I feel like we got cheated out of those because we were counting on Dino having to make the decision, and then the decision was kind of made for him with the Rex well, injury. That's the way the Vegas dice roll sometimes, Tim. Yeah, that's true. I, I guess I'm just looking for, for ways to for us to get our fake money back, but... <laughs> the, a couple of things I noticed on, on Jacoby and Morgan. One thing that was kind of a negative, and maybe this is just nitpicky, a couple of times when he drops back, he's like a little nonchalant in the pocket, and I don't really know how to describe it other than he's just sort of like standing upright, and it's like he doesn't quite get into the throwing motion as quickly as I'd like, or just the way that you see good quarterbacks drop back and then sort of step into their throws. I think he has some work to do there. He he just kind of has a, a funky build. He he looks like a wide receiver I think that's, sometimes. Yeah, that's really, I, I'm glad you brought that up because it's an interesting point because I think part of it too is since he is kind of in that mold as well, it takes him a little bit longer to get the ball. Out. Yeah. Like some of these other quarterbacks have had much quicker release time. Like you always see, especially on, if you watch a Sunday night football broadcast, they'll show you the release time. Jacobians is a little bit longer. He winds up a little bit more. And, and again, he has a little more gas coming out of his hand as a result of this too, but it does take a little bit longer to get the ball out. Yeah, the mechanics could use some work and that's to be expected. He's a freshman who by all accounts wasn't some household recruit. He didn't have a slew of power five offers after him. So that that you know comes with the territory. But I will say one really great thing about him is when the pocket collapses around him, great poise, and then also he made some terrific throws on the run. And we saw shades of that in the later stages of the Wake Forest game when he came in for that drive and made that one nice play on the run. But his mobility and his ability to keep his eyes downfield and make like some tough touch passes. There was one where he was coming near side and floated it over a linebacker. I think that was first quarter, if I'm not mistaken. That was like a pass we haven't seen all year. He actually, he probably made some better throws on the run than he made stationary at times, which might go back to the mechanics thing a little bit. You know what, Tim? Basketball season. Count it down now. Less than three weeks away. Yeah, you heard that right. Pretty soon our fandoms will be switching to a more positive outlook. And what better way to pair good vibes with good times and hopefully some wins than with a mountain cold Coors Light. It's the beer that I choose for whatever sport I'm watching, whether it's the NFL, college football, NBA, baseball, you name it, Coors Light is the official beer of watching any sport or team just to drink beer. I know there's no better beer out there to accompany my weekend football watching than Coors Light, and once basketball season gets underway, that's not changing. Coors Light is made to chill, which means when you need a moment to unwind, reach for the beer that's as crisp and refreshing as the Colorado Rockies. Coors Light's Mountain Cold Refreshment is thanks to being cold lagered, cold filtered, and cold packaged, so it arrives to your doorstep ready for a day or night just to chill. Coors Light is the beer I choose when I need to hit reset, and also what I choose when I want to sit back, relax, and watch my favorite teams and sports. So when you need to unwind, reach for the beer that's made to chill. Get Coors Light in the new look delivered straight to your doors at get.coorslight.com. Again, that's get.coorslight.com. Celebrate responsibly. Coors Brewing Company, Golden, Colorado. The best compliment I can give him is he went out there and he looked like he belonged. Can we agree on that? He looked like he belonged out there. And I think 
To be honest, he's looked like he belonged out there more than any quarterback we've seen from Syracuse this season so far. Now, the numbers aren't gaudy. He was 19 for 30 for under 200 yards, did throw that interception that you mentioned earlier. He was sacked four times, and let's be honest, Tim, the offensive line, we're, we're waving, we're clapping, and we're cheering because it was only four sacks. Let's be honest, this could have been seven, eight, maybe nine. Yeah, he I think had a Jacobian couple, wiggled though. his way out of a couple. Now, I know we talked about this a little earlier, too, between right. just you and I off, off mic, but there were also a couple that he probably could have avoided as well. Yeah, I, I'm actually, I'm ready to give the offensive line a little bit of credit, and it's credit from the perspective of they're getting better from what was a complete dumpster fire as as it was sort of at the start of this year and all of last year. They're at a point now where I don't feel like they're completely crippling the offense. Now, the run game never got going, partially, I think, because Tucker clearly looked banged up in this game, and... Aaron Service, as we keep detailing, has really struggled this year. He's 204 on Pro Football Focus's tackles in the country graded, and there's only 222 that are eligible to be graded, so that's one of the worst marks in the country. But I'm optimistic that the offensive line is kind of figuring some things out. They're at the point now where the more we get into this season, I'm more skeptical that this is kind of a skill position problem, or I'm starting to view the problem on the offense a little bit more in the vein of play calling and skill position than just purely offensive line. The first couple games, I really did feel like the offensive line combined with DeVito, DeVito's just nature of really struggling when there is pressure in his face, which is not really the case with Morgan. So it's a better situation probably for the offensive line, but overall, I think they're making strides there. And now what we're seeing is outside of Taj Harris and Queeley, who has looked a little bit better, no one's really getting open and no one's really making plays offensively. And it's kind of a lack of talent thing. So uh, getting back to Morgan here. Yeah. And again, at the end of the day, this offense produced one touchdown, which is not going to get the job done. If you, I don't care how good the defense is. You cannot rely on one touchdown a game. That number obviously has to get better. But... He did provide a little bit of an early spark. And our guy, Anthony DeBundo, catching a little heat on Twitter, which I was was not a fan of. Everyone was kind of giving him some crap because of his post-game tweet where he said that the, the late touchdown made it look a lot closer than it really was. And I agree with him. There were very few points where I really felt like Syracuse was going to win this game. It just felt like they were too limited offensively. And you knew... The way that the time of possession was going, I mean, BC held the ball for almost 40 minutes in this game. And when you've got a, a two to one split there in time of possession, the defense is going to get worn down. Now, I will say, I do think Jacobian did help them out a little bit, and he helped out the defense a little bit in that first half. And this is the difference between Jacobian Morgan and what we've seen with Rex Culpepper. Rex Culpepper was a lot of three and outs, a lot of quick possessions. Now, Jacobian, I'm not going to completely exonerate him of course he had three announce he's a freshman he's gonna have some dud possessions out there but it's the the quick interceptions and stuff like that whereas in the first half Jacobian I'm not gonna say sustained some drives but he gave the defense a little bit of a rest and a little bit of a reason for inspiration out there that hey you're not gonna have to be out on the field 30 seconds later and that's why you saw this defense hold up a lot longer against a pretty good rushing attack, too. I mean, David Bailey's a, a heck of a back. Now, he went off, and, and so did Travis Levy, and, and BC as a whole had almost 200 yards on the ground once again. But 
I mean, when you look at the way that the defense played, it felt like they were more replenished at the end of the game. And it's because of the fact that Jacobian was able to give them a little bit of breathing time on the sidelines. I see both sides on the uh, argument as to how much they were in the game. And I see why some people were given backlash to our guy, Anthony DeBundo. But I, I think I mostly agree with you because to me, this game felt like one of the early season games where it was Pitt and UNC, but it just stayed closer for a little bit longer and it just lacked any sort of scoring. And I say that from the side of things that Pitt and UNC were doing that that stuff in the beginning of the year where they were trying to almost give the game to Syracuse and we weren't taking it. And BC did miss a lot of chances in this game and they missed some field goals. And there was just a lot of stuff that was going Cuse's way. And you're right. The offense was so limited that you never truly, at least for me, I never truly was sitting there watching it and thinking, okay, Syracuse has a shot to win this game. Like, they're going to win this game. That never really crossed my mind. But at the same point, there was, you know, they have the ball, six and a half minutes left, and Sean Tucker fumbles what probably should have been called for forward progress. And I see why fans are upset and thinking, oh, it's a one-possession game. Yeah, and listen, Jacobian Morgan, when I look at him and and what I see from him on the field, he's not going to be a guy that is going to put up 40 for you. And I don't think, now I don't think maybe ever he's going to be that sort of guy for your offense. But he's a guy who's sturdy. He can he can be a stopgap right now through a tough period and hopefully bridge you to the next quarterback, whether it's Tommy DeVito returning from injury or maybe things change in, in the quarterback position, whether it's a transfer or whether Justin Lampson's ready right out of the gates and wows in his, his spring and... and his spring season and then in the summer camp. So we'll see how all of that happens. But I, I, I'm i glad you brought up the Sean Tucker fumble and we can hit on this real quick. When I look at that play, I don't think it was egregious. Like No, bad call, but I can kind of see. Bad call? Yeah. Yeah, but I'm not... At the end of the day, you got to play through the whistle. And that whistle had not blown yet. And that's just a fresh m- mistake there uh, of coughing up the ball, and maybe letting up a little bit early when you know that's a pivotal possession for your team. And if he holds on to that ball, who knows where that possession goes? Obviously, it's it's a... It's a I don't know, though. What could he have done differently? Point, but... Because he's, I mean, he's kind of put in a position to fail there by them not blowing the whistle. I see what you're saying. It, it wasn't like he But eventually the they are go. going to blow the whistle eventually you you have to hold on to that ball until you hear the whistle you can't be letting up at any point yeah but the problem was one guy's holding him up and the other guy is coming in to like have a free range to strip it so listen it it was a close call And, and while i largely agree that the wrong call was made at the same time you have to play through the whistle yeah, and I, and honestly, that a lot of that comes down to coaching and discipline. Listen, this team was awful, and with penalties again, I believe they had seven penalties for over sixty yards. Again, they continue to be one of the most undisciplined teams, and it's amazing to me how the defense can bail out that lack of discipline at times. And again, the defense does contribute to the lack of discipline with some of the penalties and stuff like that. But I mean, I mean, for this team to force as many turnovers as they do and only have one win is just astounding to me. The discipline stuff is is a good point by you because 
that's been a thing really the entire Dino era. And you look at penalties under Syracuse, and they're always at the top of the country and in the wrong end of the country when I say that because they've just really been penalized a ton in, in the Dino era, and, and that's kind of inexcusable. I, I don't care if you have a lack of talent out there or what. I mean, that, that kind of comes down to coaching and the foundation that you built on the sideline. So that is disappointing. I, I will say, if we can talk about the defense a little bit because I think they deserve some props. A couple times, I, I kind of paused the game as I was watching it back and just sort of counted the number of freshmen that were out there. I know that five of them started this game because you got Smurf Greenwood, who was a redshirt freshman, but still, you have four in the secondary that have a freshman by their name. You've got Garrett Williams, who does not play like a freshman. Another great game from him, by the way. And Unbelievable. Then, yeah, I mean, he just makes so many winning plays for you. And You know, it's crazy to me with Garrett Williams, how many times you see him at the top of the stat sheet and tackles. Yes. You don't see that a Great lot out of tackler. cornerbacks. That's, that is a linebacker statistic. That's why every single year you see linebackers at the top of the list in tackles. I don't have the exact the, the season totals right now in front of me for Syracuse, but Garrett Williams has had, I think, multiple games now where he has led the team in tackles, which is not very common out of a, a cornerback. Yeah, it might be sort of a reflection on on the running backs getting to the second level a little bit too much. Yeah, well. but it's also he's having some eight nine tackle games. Yes, too. Like, let's not take anything away from the kid. Yeah, he had one open field tackle in this game. I forget which receiver for BC, but one of their skill guys got it on the perimeter, and they tried to make a move inside. And for a second, I was like, uh oh, he's going to get beat. And then he just sort of stayed patient and then pounced on him in the backfield, and it was like textbook tackling like you you bring that up in the film room and everyone's patting him on the back I mean he he's a great open field tackler from what we've seen so far in his first year so very excited about him but to finish up my point you got Hannah Carter Garrett Williams and Smurf back there in the secondary and then Thompson's also starting as one of your linebackers not to mention like the guys that are also starting and also playing significant minutes are guys like Cannon Arcu, Jones, Linton, Marlo Wax, another true freshman. You had Neil Nunn a lot early in the season. Now he's hurt, of course, but Ben LeBros. I mean, the point is, all these guys we're naming, the good news is we'll be talking about these guys for three more years because barring the obvious right. things that we, we can't you know, predict, which are transferring out or injuries or stuff like that, they or, should be I here. mean, it was in some of these guys' case, leaving for the draft. Yeah, which... If he might leave, but you look at the rest of the defense, and I know the defensive line is all seniors, and obviously they can come back. We don't really know right now. The defensive line ha hasn't really done much this year, it feels like, and I think that's partially because of the three-three-five. We were kind of talking about that. I, it, it might be a scheme thing, but everyone we mentioned so far and everyone we talk about when we review these games, the good news is they're going to be here for three more years, probably, and some, some of these guys four more years if they use that eligibility and whatnot, and they're only going to get better. And I feel like they're already sort of making a lot of winning plays and not looking super young, and they're learning this year. I mean, that's one positive is they've been getting a ton of playing time, but it makes you feel very good about the, the future of the defense. Okay, quick break. Want to remind you guys about the best tasting protein bar on the marketplace, our good friends Built Bar, which have been friends of the pod for a while now. I'm on probably my fourth or fifth Built Bar box that I've ordered, and 
I still am extremely satisfied. It's literally like a cheat meal, but it's healthy for you. That, that's kind of how I joke about it because it's great for something that is, if you're just looking for a sweet tooth type of treat, and then you factor in that it's got great protein and it is just a super healthy bar for you and it makes you feel better. It's good for the health conscious guy. You can lose or maintain weight while indulging in this delicious treat. The bars are low calorie, low sugar, high protein, and high fiber, and even great for a keto diet. And they've got 18 amazing flavors, some of the best flavors that you would never even think would work well together, but they do. I encourage you guys, when you do go for that first Built Bar box, obviously use our promo code, Locked On, you'll get 20% off, but also try out some of those interesting flavors that you might think, oh, I, I don't know if I'll like that, because... I promise you, they, they make it work. You got stuff like coconut almonds, banana bread, mint brownie. You'd never think to try these on protein bars, but they are delicious. They've got six new flavors as well, come in nut and non-nut flavors. So you are all set to go. If you go to BuiltBar.com today, use our promo code LOCKEDON. You'll get 20% off your next order. Again, that's our promo code LOCKEDON for 20% off at BuiltBar.com. I do want to bring up some of these miscellaneous things that I noticed during the game. And uh, we've kind of hinted on some, but obviously the penalties a big issue in this game. But the the defensive line and the pressure that this team gets, you know, there's a reason why this team's 1-7, okay? What are kind of the three fundamentals of football? You need a quarterback, you need to protect them, and then you need people that can go and attack the other quarterback, right? Mm-hmm. Well, Syracuse has not really had much of an answer at quarterback all season long. They sure as hell haven't protected said quarterback. They're the last in the ACC in sacks allowed. And then on the defensive line, they are 14th in the conference, second to last in sacks. So you're not getting pressure. Again, no sacks in this game for Syracuse. And not just that, they didn't turn over BC either. And when you're not sacking the quarterback and you're not turning them over, again, you're not going to win a lot of football games this way, especially when that's been one of the strengths of your team and not just a strength among the conference a strength among the country like that's how good this team has been at turning guys over but you're not getting pressure and just can you imagine how good this defense could be if they could pressure the quarterback yeah like just let that (laughs) sit in for for a second there how good this defense could be if they were mediocre at getting to the quarterback i'm not asking you to be like Pitt. i'm not asking you to be like clemson i'm asking you to be seven through 10 in the ACC and getting to the quarterback. And I do think that's just going to be the case going forward in this three, three, five. And that's kind of the sacrifice of having, you know, better pass defense, being better against the bigger plays and, and being a little bit better equipped just overall as a defense to stop the other team is they're not going to get sacks. We talked about that when we were sort of previewing who would lead the team in sacks. It's hard to predict. And now here we are, we played eight games, and the leading sack getter so far this year is a combination of three guys with just two sacks. No one has had three sacks or more so far this season for Syracuse. And I'm pretty sure got... Syracuse has allowed three sacks in a game to some players this year. Yeah, <laughs> right. I mean, I, I can't think of one off the top of my head, but it, maybe with the, like half sacks combined and stuff like that. Right. So I don't know. It, it's kind of a a problem in the sense that you're right. If they did get pressure, I, I, I struggle to, to sort of figure out who to blame here because I feel like Josh Black, McKinley Williams and Kingsley Jonathan 
are very solid defensive linemen, and I like all three of them, and I'm never watching the game, and I'm like, ah, like, that was a bad play from that guy, from one of the three defensive linemen. But you They're just, just not causing havoc. Yeah, you just don't they're hear not, their They're not name. making them feel uncomfortable, yeah. And, yeah. and I will say, one guy that I feel like has stepped up a little bit um, in, in these last couple of weeks is Lee Koba. Yeah. I, I feel like he gets in in the backfield action a little bit. Gannon Arku does a good job of that, too. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So, but yeah, no, I mean, the pressure on the quarterback is something that certainly needs to step up. And I don't know if we're necessarily going to be seeing a whole lot of that. I know you and I really like Hayden Nelson. And then there's, there's a bunch of other guys in, in this upcoming class that could be difference makers. It's just, can they be difference makers right away? Because again, this window could be, well, it, it feels wide open right now. It could be very short too. Yeah. When you look at a guy like Garrett Williams, again, we say freshman, but redshirt freshman, if he balls out for the remainder of this year and plays very well next year too, well, guess what? He's going to the NFL draft because that's how good he's been playing. And you look at some of these other guys, there's a number of them that could be leaving early. And there's a number of NFL guys on this defense right now. And you got to hope that you can somehow get these players on the defensive line and you might need to dig into the transfer portal for something and i know you did it to a degree with cody roscoe i'd like to see more of that yeah yeah you need some more college ready pass rushers on this team and bc's done a good job of that dino mentioned it in his press conferences this week how you look at bc obviously their quarterback and then uh, a lot of their skill guys came over from ohio state as well and you can just tell they they have more talent than Syracuse, and it's kind of unfortunate that we're able to admit that because I consider this program very much a peer of Syracuse football-wise. They always seem to play no them doubt. in close mm-hmm. games, and you know just the way that the ACC the recruiting is, battles too. They're yeah, always, geographically. I mean, we, we joke about it all the time. It's you see the same teams, and one of those teams on every single offer sheet for Syracuse that they're offering out, it's always them and BC. You yeah. see it all the time. And for whatever reason, BC has been able to maintain a pretty solid floor in terms of their record and and kind of what they've done over the course of the years. And they haven't ever had a very high ceiling. Maybe that will change under Jeff Halfley and get back to kind of the Matt Ryan era days for them when they did get to the, you know, the national spotlight a little bit. But Syracuse has had a very low floor at times. And then they also had that 10 win season. We know they're capable of better than what they're doing right now that's not breaking news or anything i i did it is disappointing to see bc just look like the more talented and more physical team and a lot of that is the injuries a lot of that is the fact that rob Hanna is forced to be back there and he's only 165 pounds and he's going against david bailey and he's going to miss tackles and get worn out because he just hasn't been in the weight room and he hasn't really gone through the training process of being a freshman and then putting on pounds he shouldn't be playing yet and by all accounts He's too skinny to be playing, but you have to put him back there when guys like Coley, who we, we always talk about Cisco and Trill Williams being out this year. Eric Coley's also been out for what feels like forever now. I don't even remember if he played one or two games or what, but we don't know his status. And, and that one kind of probably goes under the radar how important that has been because he's another guy who just... It's like in the Jawar Jordan I mean, just day. to have a veteran yeah. presence out there. Yeah, I mean... Think about all the freshmen they're playing. We've got a true freshman quarterback right now and a true freshman running back. It's hard to win in the ACC with that alone, period. And then you look at the defensive guys that I mentioned, five starters, and if you're not uh, a freshman on our defense and you're not on the defensive line, 
you're basically a sophomore or a redshirt freshman who was in the class of 2019. And it kind of goes back to they did not, by 24-7 sports metrics, I know some people would argue, well, Jones was a four-star, Cannon Archer was a four-star. Technically, they don't have a four-star in the last two cycles. And now all these guys are being thrown out there against good ACC competition every single game. And when it's not ACC, it was Liberty who proved that they can beat an ACC competition in right. Virginia Tech. Multiple ACCs, yeah. Yeah. And, and here's the thing. You can say, oh, well, why are you getting so wrapped up in the stars and stuff like that? Like, Andre Sisko's a three-star. Well, Andre Sisko's a rare case, okay? Sure, you, you three stars can become mega stars in college football, but you're not going to see it very often as a true freshman, a three-star being an yeah. absolute standout. Yes, you ha- usually you see that three-star turn into an all-conference level player or even an all-American level player by their junior-senior season. That's not something that happens over a summer. It just just isn't. Yeah, it's a body thing for me. It's the fact that you can tell that these guys that are being asked to play because of injuries and forced to play just don't have college-ready bodies, ACC-ready bodies right now. Rob Hanna is probably most notable, but you can go down the list. Murph Greenwood has struggled, and I, I think he needs to put on some weight as well. Yeah. Um, any last thought? I've got one last thought, actually, and then okay. I'll let you pitch in anything that you may have wanted to contribute as well. But Cooper Lutz, five touches in this game, kind of rubbed me the wrong way. And yeah, we saw him, him do a little, a little more. more in the receiving game. Um, he did have three catches for 35 yards, but only two carries. The, this team wasn't super committed to the run game outside. Uh, I'm not going to count any of Morgan's carries in this game because of the whole sack thing. And, and that always funks with the numbers a little bit but um only 14 carries by running backs and one of those is from nikeem johnson too so i'm i'm a little concerned there why there wasn't more cooper lutz in the game plan yeah a little disappointed overall with the offensive play calling and i think their excuse would be that morgan just doesn't have the full playbook but as i said that excuse is getting less uh sort of valid as the weeks go on here because, you know, Morgan has been in the fold for a, a good chunk of time. Ever since DeVito went down, he's had to have been taking a good amount of practice reps. All right, anything else you want to get to before we get on out of here? No, we, we got all week, and I know it's a bye this week, so we'll probably talk some basketball, I'm sure, in the coming days. But I, I think we'll we'll have more thoughts tomorrow. I'll be curious to see Dino's press conference. Yeah, so we'll break down that. Amazing. This team is 1-7 right now. And yes, sure, there have been plenty of injuries, a lot of misfortunes along the way, but 1-7 is 1-7. As Bill Parcells always says, you are what your record says you are. It's amazing how the 6-6 the six and six crowd or the 6-5 and five crowd has gotten really quiet lately. So yeah. um, we'll, we'll get into a lot of basketball stuff this week because, hey, basketball is right around the corner. Looking forward to that. As always, we'll continue our 10 thoughts with you guys as well. We've got some good ones lined up for you this week. And, again, we'll, we'll of course, have our football – or I guess we won't have a football preview this week because of the bye, but yeah. maybe we can do some more evaluations of what we've seen from the entirety of the season as opposed – to the game-to-game basis that we give you every single Monday, all right? So we will be back with you tomorrow with a little Dino wrap-up and maybe some hoops thoughts from over the weekend. Those Ken Palm rankings are out, so uh, we, we can address all of that case. stuff. And yeah, yeah, Syracuse a little overperforming from what some people may have expected. So we will dive into all of that stuff on Tuesday's show, tomorrow's show. So for Tim, I'm Tyler. We will talk to you guys tomorrow. Tomorrow.